We're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 tonight. So Colossians chapter 3. If you uh, need help finding uh, Colossians, just go ahead and turn to a neighbor, ask for some help. Um, ask a leader. We'd be happy to make sure um, that you are in the Bible here together. Uh, also, I would encourage you too. many of you have our um, fellowship youth notebooks. Um, so if you see somebody with one of those um, and you want to get one, they're $2. You can get them at checkout as well. So if you want a notebook to take notes, um, we would invite you uh, to be able to use that. Okay. All right. So let's begin to focus in here. So last week, Paul, the book of, Paul, uh, book of Colossians, Paul here described in depth what our lives should look like. Because two weeks ago, Pastor Tim talked about the old self versus the new self. And then last week, Seth walked us through a number of characteristics that should describe our lives as followers of Jesus now that we've put on the new self, right? He looked at the, uh, the different characteristics, meekness, gentleness, love. He looked at each and every one of those last week. Now, in tonight's passage, Paul is going to describe more in depth how the closest relationships around us should look like in light of putting off the old and putting on the new. And so those relationships that we're going to look at tonight include our households, so our families, as well as the workplace, okay? So we're going to be looking at these different dynamics, and Paul's going to talk more about, okay, now that we've put off the old, we put on the new self. Last week, Seth looked at some of the characteristics of the new self, now, Paul is going to say, okay, let me show you what it looks like to live in these different areas of your life now that you're living as the new self, okay? So he's going to get more practical here in this uh, instance, okay? So what we're going to do now is, in a moment, I'm going to give you two minutes to read the passage. Again, I'll have it up on the screen so you have it. Um, but what I want to encourage you with is I want to give you these two minutes, not to just sit in awkward silence, but I want you to be able to read the Bible and really appreciate what God is communicating here because we want to help you be trained on how to study the Bible, okay? So I want you to take these two minutes, read through the passage, start to kind of formulate some thoughts, ideas, and then together we're going to work through this passage, okay? So take two minutes, read through it, make some mental notes, write some thoughts down, okay? And then we'll come back together. Just appreciate this time as we lean in to the Word of God, okay? All right, two minutes, and the passage will be up here again on the screen if you need it.
right, so um, again, we're going to continue utilizing this Bible study uh, practice called Soya, right? So we took a moment and we looked at some context or survey, and so now we're going to make some observations, okay? So let's not get into what this passage means. Let's just first take a moment and talk about what do we see here? What are some observations? What are some things that you see? Maybe some words that you think are going to be important for us to understand. Um, how have, are you seeing any connections from previous weeks? Again, first thoughts. What do you see, not what you think yet? Okay. Yeah, so talking about roles, authorities, figures. Yeah. Yeah, Paul's giving you some direction. This is what you need to do. Good. Yeah, Paul's talking about the dynamic of families. Again, we'll talk more about what that looks like, but yeah, there's, he's addressing different groups of people here. Yeah. Yeah, how we should, yeah, how we should be, how we should interact. Yeah, yeah, good. Any other observations? Yeah. Yeah, having healthy relationships, right? I'm sure each and every one of us want healthy relationships. And Paul lays out some really great biblical truth on how we can pursue all kinds of healthy relationships. And we'll dig into this, so don't worry. Other other thoughts? Yeah, Paul. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so wives, husbands, families, children, and we're going to talk about what this word slave means, so don't worry, we're going to get into this, and I'm going to help you understand and process what this actually means, okay? Peyton, is that a hand? Or? Yeah, motivations. Paul talks a lot about the motivation, the heart, okay? Yeah, is that? Oh, sorry, I just called you Seth, Jason. Good. Do everything for the glory of God. Yeah, Olivia. Yeah, right? I mean, part of Paul talking about putting off the old and putting on the new kind of requires change, right? So then what does that change look like? And I say kind of jokingly because there is change that is involved. So let's work through this, okay? And I want to just quickly note, there's a lot in this passage, okay? So I'm going to do my best to help us work through it in the time that we have, okay? And I recognize that we could probably spend like weeks in this passage, okay? So I'm going to do my best to help us work through this. And so in order for me to help you understand what's happening here, I'm going to need you to really lean in and help me help you dive into this, okay? All right. So let's work through this here a little bit, okay? The first question I have for you is what context is Paul specifically addressing? Or in other words, who is he writing to? Does that make sense? Who is Paul addressing here? Gabby? Christian households, okay. And this is why context is so important, because Paul, he's addressing Christian households or Christian families, So in other words, he's saying, okay, if you are a family and you're claiming to follow Jesus, I'm specifically writing to you here, okay? So that's the framework that we need to have as we look in to what he's saying. He's addressing addressing Christian families, Christian households, okay? And so 
it's important that when we study passages in the Bible that may seem a little bit more difficult to understand, we need to take time to understand context. And we also need to see what else the Bible says to help us understand what this passage says. Because the Bible works together in perfect unity. The Bible will never contradict itself. And so here's a little Bible study pro tip for you. Use the whole Bible to help you study the Bible. And so you may be like, that seems obvious, but I want to make sure it's known because if you are unsure of maybe a couple verses, it's helpful to use the rest of the Bible to help us understand the verses that you are studying. So as we approach this passage, let me do some quick rewind on the groundwork that Paul has already laid throughout this book. So here are a couple verses that I want us to be reminded of as we look at this passage, okay? Colossians 1, I'll have them on the screen as well. Colossians 1 says, For by him, referring to Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers, authorities, all things were created through Christ and for Christ. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Paul, back in chapter 1, said, before I get into any of the specifics, let me make sure you know that Christ is above all. And then he goes into chapter 2 to say, therefore, as you have received Jesus, for those who have received Christ, now walk in him, be rooted and built up, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So chapter 1, he's talking about what are you to believe? Chapter 2, he goes into more of what the basics or the foundation of that belief is. And then, chapter 3, he says, Then if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are of earth. And so Paul here writes all of this to make sure that the recipients understand that if you've received Christ, if you've placed your faith in Christ, we're called to walk in Christ. And as we walk in Christ, what should we do? Seek the things that are of Christ, okay? And so before we get into this passage, we need to remind ourselves, and Paul already does that, we need to remind ourselves that we were created by Jesus and designed to worship him above all else, Jesus is before all things, and he holds everything together. Number three, for those who have placed their faith in Jesus, we're called to deepen that relationship with him. And then fourth, for those who have placed their faith in Christ, we should desire and pursue him and set our mind on Christ's desires, not the world. So Paul says, you know what? If you're claiming to follow Jesus, spoiler alert, you should follow Jesus, right? I love how it's actually, Paul lays it out pretty simple for us. He's saying, if you've received Christ, live like it. Walk in him, okay? And so let these verses be the filter through which we approach this passage, okay? Nod your head if you're with me, you understand? Okay, all right, good. And if you were falling asleep, then hopefully that'll jolt you awake, okay? All right. Now, let's, let's move on here. Number two, question I have. Do you see any words in this passage that may seem important for us to study? 
So are there, are, are there words in here that you're like, this may be important for us to figure out what's going on in here. Maybe words that you're not really familiar with or anything. Yeah. You want me to come back? Okay. All right. Kira? Partiality. Okay. Okay. Submit. What does that mean? Okay. Okay, all right. Peyton? Exasperate, okay. Any, any other words that may seem important for us to understand? Anything else? Masters, okay, what does he mean by masters, right? Okay, th- these are good Bible study tips for us to understand. Okay, what are the words that we don't understand because we should seek to understand what those words mean so we can dive into this passage, Okay. So one of the words that I want to make sure that we clarify here is this word that we mentioned, submit, okay? And this word submit here means to yield to one's leadership, to place yourself under, willingly allow to lead, also means to entrust to. And so I think this word submit is probably one of the most misinterpreted words in the Bible. And I want to make sure that we understand this so we don't misinterpret the Bible. And so this Greek word submit, really in the original Greek language, this word submit actually is a borrowed word from military language, okay? And listen to this quote that I think is going to say it better. It says, the idea of submission doesn't have anything to do with someone being smarter or better or more talented. It has to do with a God-appointed order. Anyone who has served in the armed forces knows that rank has to do with order and authority, not with value or ability. So therefore, what that means is submission means that you are a part of a team. So in the context here that Paul is addressing, the family, if the family is a team, then Paul says God's design is for the husband to be the captain of that team. And again, submission doesn't mean inferiority. It simply means that God's perfect ultimate design is for the husband to lead the home. And that's God's design, okay? But keep in mind, submission doesn't mean inferiority. Submission just means God-appointed order. Because again, it doesn't have so much to do with um, value or ability, but rather just God's design. Now I say that to say, okay, does that mean that men are perfect? No. Because unfortunately, there are men that misuse and abuse this verse, this command. And I say that with a heavy heart, because there are men that Don't do this right and well, because we are fallen, sinful people. But listen to what Paul writes about God's intention for marriage. Ephesians 5. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians 5, and it's on the screen here, I think, as well. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might be present 
in the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And then later on in verse 33, he says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. So Paul, through the leading of the Spirit here, wants us to know that God's desire is for husbands to lovingly lead their home. Because husbands should love their wives as much as Christ loves his church. That's what Paul says here. We are called as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And so how much did Christ love the church? So much that Jesus stepped down from the glories of heaven, lived life in this broken world, which we are going to be celebrating here in a month or two, Christmas, the birth of Christ. He loved us so much that he stepped down from the glories of heaven, lived in this broken world, and gave up his own life through an agonizing death on the cross for us. So that we could be free from sin and have a restored relationship with God. That's how much Jesus loved us. And this kind of self-sacrificial love is the example, the expectation, the command for husbands. That's the expectation here. And so while submission doesn't mean that we're perfect, it means that we should be seeking to ultimately submit to Christ. And as husbands, we're called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. But what's crucial to this, though, is this phrase in verse 18, as is fitting to the Lord. So, just as obedience to government is commanded, as long as it doesn't take the place of God, the same here goes for marriage. So wives should lovingly, willingly yield and trust the leadership of their husbands as husbands should be seeking the Lord first as they lead their families. So God calls husbands to lovingly lead the family and then he calls wives to willingly lead and let the husband lead, right? Are you seeing here this pattern and progression? Ultimately, no matter what, both husband and wife should be seeking out the Lord ultimately. And so that may be hard for us to wrap our minds around because we maybe see a lot of brokenness in our lives, in our world, because we don't always have this in front of us as this example. I didn't have this example growing up. But God's design is for us to pursue Christ. And as we pursue Christ, we lovingly lead those around us. So Paul here starts off in these first verses giving direction again for wives. But then here he moves on to address husbands, okay? So he's addressing everybody of the family unit. And so number three, let me ask you this. What is the command for husbands according to verse 19? So as Paul is then addressing husbands, what is the command for husbands according to verse 19? What does he say in verse 19? Do what, Jocelyn? Yeah, he says, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And so, do you see here 
how everything hinges on following the Lord. Both for wives and for husbands, we're called to follow after God. And so we see this cycle here happen. And let me phrase that for you. Husbands should lead in a way that honors God and shows love to their wives. And as they do that, wives willingly submit to the leadership of their husband because it's God's design and as the husband should be following after the Lord. And as wives show this trust for their husband, it should continue to empower husbands to lead humbly. Right? So you see this pattern here happening. And so for me, as a husband... In case you never met my wife, Laura, you should. She's so nice and sweet. You should get to know her. So as a husband, I pray that I lead in a God-honoring way that Laura can't help but want to let me lead and be willing to submit to that leadership because she knows that I am seeking after the Lord. And so my hope and prayer is that Laura, again, my wife Laura, knows and believes that I am following after the Lord And so she willingly submits to allowing me to lead our family because she knows that it's God's design, but also that I am following after the Lord. And my desire is to show such love for the Lord and for Laura that she can't help but acknowledge and trust the leadership that God has given me to lead my family. Right? And some of you might be thinking, I am a teenager, what does this have to do with me? Let me help you understand, because one day, maybe God's calling you to be married, and you're like, okay, but maybe God's calling you to that, and we need to be aware of God's design for the family. Because God designed the family for a reason, for a purpose, and so Paul wants us to understand that design. And that doesn't mean we're going to see perfect pictures of this everywhere because the world's full of sin and sin breaks down good things but yet we're called to lead and to love in the name of Christ okay so let me ask you this what does Paul then command children to do you thought you were gonna get out of this weren't you well ha bazinga okay What does Paul then command children to do in verse 20? Wow, your hand's really ready to go. Okay, yeah. Obey your parents. parents. And you're like, oh, did my parents tell you to, you know, pay you to say that? Don't, don't check out here, okay? Nobody paid me. Okay, I'm making sure. Okay. Paul calls us as kids, as children of parents, to follow their leading. Now, does that mean parents are perfect? No. I was hoping nobody was like, no! Okay. Thanks, Gordon. Okay. Does that mean that parents are perfect? No, because we all sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Because even parents are called to lead as fitting to the Lord. Even parents are called to willingly submit to Christ as they lead their family. So are you seeing a pattern here? How husbands, wives, kids are all called to willingly submit to Christ. And here's the reality. Even Jesus willingly submitted to Joseph and Mary's 
parental authority. Luke chapter 2, after Jesus went missing and Mary and Joseph were like, uh, where is the son of God? We just lost Jesus. Well, he was in the temple teaching and preaching. Well, Jesus then willingly submitted and said, okay, you know what? Mary and Joseph said, okay, we, we need to go. And Jesus said, okay, I'm going to go. So even Jesus willingly submitted to his parental authority. And so side note, if you're having, ever having a bad day, just think about the reality that Mary and Joseph lost Jesus for a couple days. You ever think you're having a bad day? Just imagine that Mary's like, where is the son of God? Right? So if you're having a bad day, at least you didn't lose Jesus for like three days. Okay? Maybe you thought that was funny. Maybe not. Okay. Okay. But here's the reality. Obedience reflects God's design. Obedience reflects God's design. And again, this design is reflected best when everyone is seeking after God. And then next, what does Paul command fathers to do in verse 21? What does he tell fathers to do? Okay, now he's addressing fathers. What does he say? Fathers should not provoke your kids, okay? And before you go home and you're like, you shouldn't provoke me ever, okay? Don't, don't be using that one on me, okay? Don't be throwing me under the bus just yet, okay? What that means is to be harsh, demanding, unforgiving. Again, God's desire, and I say desire strategically, his desire is for fathers to build up and encourage their kids towards Christ-likeness. Let me pause for a second before we go on. Let me pause and say that I know that some of you may not have had this kind of experience of love and submission to Christ in your family. And I want to acknowledge that that can be very hard. I recognize that maybe as we're working through this, you're struggling because maybe you didn't experience this kind of love. And I want you to know that that's hard. And so if you have questions or would like to talk to somebody, please come talk to one of your leaders. We are here for you. We pray for you. We care for you. And I don't want to just run through this. I want to pause and acknowledge that that doesn't mean that sin hasn't wrecked families. And so if you have things that are going on, please come talk to us. We want to be there for you, okay? All right. So continuing on here. Verse 22, what is the next group that Paul addresses? Verse 22, now who does he address? So he's kind of covered a lot of the family. Who does he address next? Luna? Okay, slaves. Does anybody have another word there? Someone say it? Okay, bondservant, okay? This is why understanding context is important, okay? Because the word here, you might have slave, but it's, I think it's a little bit more uniquely translated as bondservant. And what that means, it's, it's someone who is devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. Or for our purposes here, to simplify it a little bit, a bondservant, or again, you might have the word slave, what it really means is basically an employee. Somebody who is devoted to somebody else. But again, when you see the word slave, we need to understand, okay, what does this word actually mean? So we have to study it. And so if you do a word study on what the original Greek word is, it refers to a bondservant, or in other words, an employee, essentially. So Paul is, for a lack of example here, he's addressing Christians in the workplace. 
And so how does Paul describe the motivation? Well, we're called to sincerely submit and obey. But again, it all comes back to verse 18, as it is fitting in the Lord. So Paul says, if you're a Christian, if you're following Jesus in the workplace, we should be willingly submitting to our bosses, allowing them to lead. Because again, they have authority. It doesn't mean that they're perfect. We have some frustrating bosses, but we're called to let them lead. And again, that doesn't mean they're perfect, but Paul here is trying to address our desires and motivations. And then Paul summarizes in verse 23, he says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. So basically, after he addressed these different areas, and it's not all inclusive, but Paul addresses some of these areas, he says, basically, whatever you do, do it for God. And then he says, verse 24, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Because the beauty here, as we seek this, is that God rewards our obedience. Now, that doesn't mean that rewards should be our ultimate motivator. Worship should be. We should be seeking to worship God as for the Lord. And so these rewards that he's talking about here, these rewards don't mean salvation. They're not earning God's favor, because we talked about that a few weeks ago. That is completed when we place our faith in Christ. So he's not talking about salvation. You're not earning your salvation. But he says that God will reward our obedience one day in heaven. And I don't know what all that looks like. I just know that God sees the sacrifices that we make when we willingly submit to those we're called to submit to. Okay. And then in verse 24, we see Paul describes Jesus as Lord. And remember, at the end of the day, each and every one of us, if we're claiming to follow Jesus, we are ultimately serving Jesus, who is our Lord, who is greater than the world. And then, in verse 25, Paul says that God judges without favoritism, repaying wrongdoers. And this isn't karma. Maybe some of you have heard of this phrase, karma. It's not karma because karma is not biblical. But what Paul's saying here is God is the perfect author of true justice. There is no injustice that will go unpunished because God is sovereign and he is in control. And so let me fast forward here to some application. Okay, So we looked at some context. We looked at some observations. I know we covered a lot here, but you'll hopefully can process a little bit in small groups. And if you have more questions, come talk to one of us. And then lastly, I want to give you a couple things to, to take away from this. Okay, number one, do everything you do to the best of your ability as if you're doing it for God. And when I say do everything, sorry guys, that means everything. Even the things you don't want to do. That includes... Get ready for this. That includes your homework, chores, picking up the piece of trash in the school parking lot, what you're scrolling, uh, what you see on Instagram, TikTok, what you're Snapchatting people, uh, when your TNT leaders ask you to do something, when you interact with your siblings, your parents, your bosses, your neighbors, whatever. <laughs> whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. 
joyfully, without grumbling or complaining. Because God's desire is for us to work hard for his glory. So whatever you do, do it in a way that honors and glorifies God. Number two, as you work, you must be aware of your motivations. We're called to have God-honoring motivations. Verse 22 says, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. And I have no doubt that many of you here struggle with wanting to please people. That's what makes us human. Many of us have this deep desire to please people, but Paul reminds us here that we're called to please God, ultimately. Because if you try to live life for the approval of others, you are going to be left broken and empty. We're called to seek God first because he will ultimately satisfy. And then number three, in whatever you do, put in your whole effort. Because Paul says, work heartily as for the Lord, meaning do your very best. Don't do your half best. If we're claiming to follow Jesus, he's calling us to do everything with 100% to the best of your ability. Because we don't do these things to earn God's love. We do these things for the glory of God as a result of the love we've experienced and we received from Jesus. And so what does that look like? If your parents ask you to gather the trash, do it the first time without complaining. I'm saying it because I know you do it. Don't hurt the messenger. If you see trash laying around, pick it up. If your parents ask you, hey, can you please put your phone away and do your homework? You know what? If you're claiming to follow Jesus, he's saying, you know what? Just put it down. Don't make it a big deal and do your homework because we're doing it for the glory of God. And so I say all that and I want you to write this down, walk away with this ultimately, hopefully. Pleasing Jesus is greater than pleasing people. Pleasing Jesus, working towards following Jesus will satisfy fully. If you're trying to please people, if you're trying to do things to gain approval of others, if you're living life trying to have the most friends, to have the most likes, to be whatever, it's going to leave you empty because Jesus is the one who satisfies. Look at John 4, when Jesus interacts with the woman at the well. He says, if you drink the water that I offer, you will never be thirsty again. Because friends, if you live for the world, if you try to get approval from others, you're going to be left anxious and frustrated and empty and alone. And I'm telling you this because I've been there. And following Jesus that's what's going to satisfy. And if you're here tonight and you're living for something that's not ultimately Jesus, why not make tonight the night that you get right with God and follow Jesus to be an example to those around you? And so I know I covered a lot. If you have questions, please come talk to one of us, talk to one of the leaders, and we'd be happy to talk with you more. But I want to give you some time to process in a small group. So would you join me in prayer, okay? God, thank you so much for this time. For us to dig into your word, God, I pray that the spirit of God would work in ways to help these students understand your word, that you deeply desire for us to 
in whatever role and whatever situation that we are called to, that we would do it for the glory of God. God, I know we covered a lot, and I pray that you would just work through all the areas that I was not able to cover. But God, I pray that in through all things, that each and every student here would seek to follow you and not the world, because if they follow after the world, they are going to be left empty, and they're going to get caught in this hamster wheel of brokenness. But God, I pray that they would step out of that cycle and place their faith in you, because you are the one, Christ, who ultimately satisfies. And God, go before us as we head into our small groups to process a little more. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.